0: Hi everyone and thanks for listening and welcome to another episode of Drone Chat brought to you by Safe Droning Australia, your online safety equipment store. I'm your host Shane Adamson and you can find us at safedroningaustralia.com.au This episode is a slightly different one for us. We are doing a dual podcast with Chris Anderson from The Drone Trainer. So we are co-hosting and co-guesting, so it should be a heap of fun. So let's get this started. All right, Shane, how's it going? Good, thanks. Chris, and yourself?
1: I'm doing really good. Can you just introduce yourself to all the listeners on my side of the podcast?
0: Yeah, sure. I'm Shane Adamson. I've got a company down here in Australia called Safe Droning Australia. I'm a licensed commercial drone operator, as well as having an online store for safety equipment for drone operators.
1: Oh, very cool. And how long have you been doing that for? I've
0: been a, a licensed operator about 18 months now, and the online store we started up in December
1: last year. Oh, very, very cool. And how's that going so far?
0: Yeah, not too bad. it been, been a bit slow to start off with, but as any starting any new business, it, it can be a little bit slow to start with, but we're getting good support and interest out there. So yeah, it's going pretty well.
1: Oh, that's good to hear.
0: So from my point of view, what's the Chris Anderson story?
1: so i am uh, one half of the website the dronetrainer.com where we me and my wife we have a uh, online drone training platform where we provide uh, everything from basic training up to mission specific training uh, to drone pilots from all around the world so i've been running the site now since january 2017 and i've been a commercial drone pilot since January of 2014. So it's been uh, it's been quite a run so far and the online thing has really opened up a lot of great conversations and I've been able to work with and train with drone pilots from almost every country now, every continent for sure and just about every country. So it's been quite amazing moving from the one-to-one training uh, out here in person to the online platform where I've been able to you know work with pilots from all around the world.
0: So th- I take it the things are a little bit different in your neck of the woods as far as the aviation rules go. Here in Australia, the, the online training is is starting to take off, but there's a little bit of um, conjecture as to whether online training is is sufficient enough, or whether it needs to be done in conjunction with some, you know, one to one, face to face sort of training. What, what's your thoughts on that?
1: I think it's dependent on the type of training you're looking for. Um, I try to keep my site and the content not specific to any country. Uh, there are a lot of training providers out there that are very specific to one country or another and only talk about their rules and only work towards that. But I like to keep it as a, on a global perspective and not be too specific in that regard. With that, I think that things like initial ground school training to learn the rules of your country and learn about what, you know, how to how to operate safely under your regulations in the area that you're operating in, I think it's a great idea to get that kind of thing in person because then you have somebody there that can give you immediate feedback and you can answer questions for them, and you know you can really learn in the best style that works for you when it comes to the hands on training. Uh, I find that online works great because I can show somebody on the other side of the world, really how to do a certain maneuver or how to do uh, like safe takeoffs and landings and things like that. So I find that I find that the online side of things, it works uh, not for everything, but for skills training and things like that, it really, it's really working great so far.
0: Okay. You also mentioned, obviously you do training in the use of perhaps software platforms uh, and, and mission planning and that sort of thing?
1: Uh, Not so much mission planning because I find that specific to uh, each country. I do have a couple of freebies on my site uh, for people to download like pre-flight checklists where I do go over a lot of mission planning stuff but I don't have any training specific to that to satisfy the rules because there are you know basically if you (laughs) you drive another 20 kilometers and you're in a different airspace and I can't create something that's uh, would be you know specific enough for everybody's needs. so i've I've so far stayed away from that side of things. But uh, the mission side of things, it's outside of planning, like specifics to learning how to map and model and fly autonomous missions and learning how to do real estate, be it residential or commercial real estate, just showing all the tips and tactics that I've learned. By trial and error, really, because there was no one to show me how any of this worked at the start. And now, just packaging it up into a couple hours that I can share with anybody around the world, and that stuff is working very, very well. I I really enjoy teaching and showing people how to do things. And it was a byproduct of what I was doing on the commercial side of things. I'd quite often I'd have people that would show up and they'd kind of watch, and I'd realize like they're they're trying to pick. They're trying to pick my brain to see what if they can do it themselves, right? So I I started asking a few people and said like, well, do you want me to show you how to how this works? And they all said yes. And then I started getting a few phone calls and emails from government organizations and things like that, just asking for for me to show them how to do it so they can create their own, you know, their own programs or do their own things. So, and I'm totally fine with that. I know initially at the start, someone said like, well, you're you're giving up all your secrets. You're going to run out of work, but what I find is that, you know, as drones are as new as they are, there's still a lot of work available out there, right? Like there, you can relate it to wedding photography, for example. And that's something I did before. There are thousands, if not millions of wedding photographers out there that can supply a good service, but there are the ones that can supply an exceptional service. And that's where I've uh, kind of marketed myself and placed myself in the market. And I've been able to leverage that, even though there are a bunch of, other drone operators in my area, even ones that I've trained myself, uh, they are competition, but they're not competition because I still have people that come come back to me. So I guess that was a long-winded answer as to no, it wasn't to <laughs> try and supplement anything. It was just something that developed out of it.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and I think that's probably one of the key things for, for our industry around the world, not not just any one particular country, but for for operators. To not necessarily think of each other as the enemy, um, but to collaborate with them, and then there are times when, oh, you can help another operator with some knowledge, or vice versa, or even, you know, look, I'm a bit snowed under. Hey, Chris, can you can you go and, and do this particular job for me? You know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I've had a bunch of opportunity like that where where. I've got a, a couple of operators that I work closely with here. And when I have too much on my plate then I can hand it to them and, you know, the other way around as well too, if they have too much going on then they can pass it over to me. So it's good to network and, you know, they are like I said, they are competition, but like you said, there are opportunities to work together and share and benefit from the connection.
0: And the interesting thing I find is I mean, how I originally sort of decided to go down the track of becoming involved with drones. I had a business where we were doing management support services to other businesses, and we were sort of helping them with with websites and their social media. And I thought, oh, hang on, a drone could be good for this. But it it opened up so many other avenues for me using drones. For example, I've got a contract where uh, I'm on call for a company that looks after a large number of insurance companies that if there's a, a storm and there's some damage to... A building, um, go out with the drone, fly over it, take all the photos, create the the map so that they can work out a how much damage there is, and then b work out the measurements to uh, do the repair job.
1: Yeah, it's that kind of assessment is a very popular topic, and I've spoken with a few people on my podcast about that, where we they. Either just go out and take standard photos and videos of uh, disaster areas, or say, if after like a hailstorm or something like that, yep. or uh, they're doing it, taking it a step farther and doing actual mapping and modeling uh, with measurements to show the extent of the damage. If it's you know not a massive area, if it's limited to a smaller area, then that works very very well to get that high res imagery. Large areas work as well too, but depending on the type of system you're flying, it could take a considerable amount of time to cover off a large area like that. So I find if you're using a smaller quadcopter style drone with about a 20 minute battery life, you're not gonna be able to cover an entire, like a stretch of a tornado where like a tornado alley or anything like that, right? But on a larger platform, you could could do things like that for sure. Yeah, for sure. And the benefit of doing like a small project like that is you can get the fine details. You can fly lower and slower and capture the extreme high-res imagery close-up imagery of the location of interest on the larger scale disasters you're not getting those fine details but you are getting the information that is actionable as to which areas have been hit what resources need to be sent to what area and a variety of those kind of things so yeah there's there's multiple benefits and multiple reasons why uh, drones are very valuable in inspections and post-disaster relief recovery sorry
0: I don't know about you, but I follow a number of uh, Facebook groups that are related to the drone industry. And, And a topic that comes up for discussion quite often, whether it be professional operators or the hobbyist, is dealing with the general public and their perception of drones. We still seem to have a little bit of a problem here where they seem to think that drones are a bad thing and if they are somewhere and they suddenly see a drone that some of them can become a little bit on the aggressive side are you still experiencing that
1: no i think that with the popularity of drones now they're they're out there and everybody knows they're out there and i think that the acceptance is there now i haven't had any circumstances like that yet i i can't even think of one example where i had anything like that i've had difficult clients that were like snooping over my shoulder and trying to tell me exactly what to do and things like that. I just <laughs> said like you can't do that while I'm flying like I need to concentrate on this. I can't be I can't be listening to you with your fingers on my display like while I'm trying to fly around like it's too much chaos. But as for anybody else that was there, I we our rules here they they're changing as of June 1st, 2019, or they've changed, I guess, by the time this comes out, but prior to that, we always had to maintain a certain buffer between the public. So, we weren't ever operating in a place where someone was close enough to get in uh into the operations so i haven't experienced it and i think like the acceptance is there i haven't heard of any real incidents where someone has complained or caused an issue with anybody that was flying a drone around here
0: yeah i mean from our point of view here in australia i think it's more the recreational person that, that's experiencing that sort of problem I mean, as a commercial operator, obviously, we have signage up and we have, um, you know, barrier tape set out so that people are well aware that there's something happening. Um, the pilot and all the crew uh, are in high vis vests and, you know, they're designated as being involved in an operation. So it's it's not so much the commercial operator, I think, that, that runs into that problem. It, it's more those that are flying recreationally. And unfortunately, I think sometimes... They're their own worst enemy because they don't go about it in the right way.
1: of uh, that's Ash, that is a very valid point. And I think that, you know, if you're operating commercially and you've gone through the process and the steps and you understand where you can fly and how you can fly and why you can fly there, I think that you take the extra care in protecting your business but also flying safe, right? And I think exactly. the the safety is the the paramount thing with it. So maybe somebody that's recreational that doesn't quite have the same understanding of it. I think it's it's important for them to educate themselves and to learn what is safe what's not safe like don't go and buy a drone and then launch it in your town square right away when there's thousands of people around like go out and practice in a wide open area and learn how to fly that thing properly and then if that opportunity comes up and you can do it safely and legally then of course have at it but learn in the right environment first and you'll have a lot more success
0: the interesting thing too I'm finding is that drones are able to do just as much in the right circumstances as conventional ways of of doing, uh, whether it be still photography, photography, or even in in the film industry, making movies these days. I recently had a guest uh, on my podcast, uh, Jerry Grayson, who originally started out as a naval helicopter pilot, uh, rescue pilot, And he became involved in the movies and the career that he's uh, had with making so many movies and being involved with the telecasts of things like the Olympic Games and that sort of thing. Even he now is starting to endorse and and, and use drones in capturing footage because they're just so much easier and have less impact on the environment.
1: Yeah, I remember listening to that episode and he brought up a good point of if you're flying your helicopter too low or... Uh, too close to the set or something like that with the downwash you're going to start to disturb things right as with where with the drones you can you can get away with being a little bit closer with everybody that's you know on set and you know briefed as to the safety with drones like don't put your fingers up there you you might lose one right but yeah you're not creating as much wind there is some wind with it so you have to take that into account uh but yeah you're not in the same situation as like a couple thousand pound helicopter (laughs) that's pushing some serious wind around. So, yeah, drones do have a place. And it's good to hear, like, from his perspective where he spoke about the the benefits of both. Where yes. You can. You know, if you work together, there are things where, you know, a helicopter is going to be king. But there are ones where the drone is going to be king, right? So it's identifying that and determining which one is going to be, you know, most appropriate for the mission you need to fly.
0: Uh, you had an interesting guest on your podcast that I was listening to. Oh, I just forget his name at the moment. But it was... Um, a platform for getting uh, solar roof panels installed. Yeah, that was hey Montoya. That's right. He's got an interesting little platform, hasn't he? Yeah,
1: he does. He's uh, developed a real cool niche. And he's. I know after he was on my podcast, he said that his inbox basically exploded. He had a lot of interest from people uh, across the states and from other places that were inquiring as to how they could get in and work with him on that. So he's, yeah, he, his... His company is really growing, and he's doing a very, very good job with that. And that was episode 38 on the Drone Trainer podcast, for those that like to check it out. But yeah, it was a really, really good chat. And he, he's found a nice niche with it. He's He loves flying, but he's also developed the software backend that can create a true deliverable for people that are looking to get solar panels installed at their house.
0: And it's far safer way uh, to do something like that, rather than having to send another person up on the roof to to do the measuring and work out where to put them and how to install them, isn't it?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think I had an interesting chat uh, early on in the podcast. Uh, I spoke with somebody that was flying one of the LEO systems, one of the um, flyability systems, and that's the CAGE drone uh, that you can fly down mine shafts and into unsafe places where you wouldn't want to send a person. And we had a very interesting chat where we said, well, you can – you know, save the company a lot of money by doing it this way. But he raised a very good point by saying it's not always about saving money. It's about saving the people, right? So in his instance where he was using uh, the cage drone, they are charging more than it would cost to send somebody into those environments to get it done by drone, which is very interesting. But it totally makes sense when you think of it. You think like, okay, so they're saving having a person go up there. It doesn't always have to be faster and cheaper. It's safer. Right. So you can really make an impact by, you know, doing things with a drone. If you don't have to send anybody up to height to do their work, you can have them, you know, so you can stay on the ground and just send a drone up there or in there to have a look and do the work. Uh, you know, I think justifiably you can charge more for that.
0: Yeah, look, I agree. The key factor is the safety point of view. It now means that you're not placing someone in a, a situation where it could become unsafe. And therefore, obviously that can become more than the expense of using a drone if you've got a person doing a task that a drone could have done if it goes pear-shaped it can be very costly uh, because of the injuries sustained by that person
1: yep absolutely and that was episode number 13 on my podcast one of the earlier ones if someone wants to check it out it was with uh, Guilherme has I can't remember how to say his last name now. I have to listen to it again. But uh, he was he was from Spain, and uh, yeah, it was a really good chat. Where it gives good perspective on flying in those areas that are operationally dangerous for people to go into. And uh, yeah, you get that perspective of do you charge more or do you charge less for it?
0: And that's one of the advantages you've got over me, Chris, is that you've done a few episodes by now. I've I'm only up to about my third or fourth fourth episode. So how many have you done in total? Do you reckon?
1: um i think it's around 80 now i'd have to look at the numbers to see which uh what episode number i'm on right now but i think it's right around 80 jeez i'm gonna get cracking to catch up to you aren't i well you just gotta (laughs) just consistency is important with it right and that's what i've i've done with this is i've tried to make sure that you know, every week I put out a new one. And that that's been it's been great and it's been fun. Like there's a lot of back end editing and it does take time and stuff, right? But I really enjoy it and I enjoy talking to people about drones. Like I can talk about drones all day long and I love it. And hearing the stories of success and, you know, difficulty that people have and being able to share that with a global audience is great. So just keep keep the pace. Just find a find a rhythm either being whatever whatever your plan is for release times. Like if it's weekly or bi weekly, whatever it is, just you know, keep keep up with it, and, uh, yeah, you'll keep keep growing the show. But from what I've listened to so far from your show, it's uh, I like it. I like the content. It's great.
0: Oh, thanks for that, Chris. I appreciate that. And, I mean, yeah. you were part of the reason I got into doing podcasting. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: So, it's, see, it's all your fault. <laughs> okay. I guess it is. Hopefully, you didn't have to buy a whole bunch of expensive equipment then. I know. Starting, basically, it's amazing what you can do
0: with technology these days, though, isn't it?
1: Yes, yes, it is. So, so on your piloting side, on your commercial operation side, uh, what what are the main clients that you work with? Um, I guess not, maybe not the clients, but the industries that you work in.
0: Um, well, obviously, I've been working uh, in uh, storm damage. Um, done a fair bit of work with that. I've also done a, um, some photography for whether it be still or video for people with websites um that that's been the the main two areas that I've currently been working in uh I'm I'm interested in the idea of um perhaps not search and rescue so much but uh assisting uh both the the metropolitan and the rural fire services uh when it comes to uh, looking at scenes that, that that are under an emergency situation i mean obviously if you, it's a situation where you've got aerial aircraft doing uh, water bombing, uh, obviously uh, you're not going to be flying in that situation. But there are times when uh, I have seen it used where the fire service has been fighting, say, uh, we call it a bushfire, you call it a forest fire, and I've sort of got it under control, but they, they need to have a bit of a look where the fire's been to see if there are any hot spots. And that's always tricky to do on foot so mm-hmm. drone i think has a, has a great opportunity to, to assist in that area because they can either do it visually or they can do it via infrared
1: have you yeah i think that would be a great idea? opportunity uh i have worked with infrared quite a bit and it's uh yeah it's a excellent technology it's important to do some proper training with infrared and not just assume what you're looking at is what you think it is, or not assume, assume what it is when maybe it might not be, right? So there's, there's a couple of things that are really important to, to pay attention to um, with infrared, because you, you have to learn about emissivity, transmissivity, and reflectivity. And if you confuse which one of those three that you're looking at, you might make a false interpretation of the imagery, right? So I think as cool and as capable infrared is, it's important to really... Uh, educate yourself and understand what it is that you're looking at so you don't provide any false data to anybody and that's that's something that you provide training in i will be i'm working on developing that kind of training uh as we speak right now and uh, i'll be yeah probably by the end of summer i'll have that released so it's uh it's it's coming down the pipe because it's i get asked a lot for that kind of thing and now with the um accessibility of affordable systems that can carry infrared cameras, like be it the the Mavic 2 Enterprise Dual that has the tiny little FLIR on there, uh, or up to, say, like the DJI M210 where you can carry the FLIR XT2 system or the original XT on the Inspire 1. Uh, being able to put that kind of technology into someone's hands at a reasonable price is something that was you know unheard of five years ago so it's uh with the expansion of it a lot of people are picking up the tech now and they're looking for ways to employ it and employ it with the right with the right education i guess to go with it
0: so what's your impressions of the maverick to enterprise
1: i think it has uh it's it's great for its size it the maverick size obviously it's the, between the Enterprise or the Mavic 2s or the original Mavic, they're pretty much all the same size. The new Mavics are a little bit heavier, but that Mavic 2 Enterprise Dual, for the size and the capability of it, I think it's it's great. And it comes at the right price point. The one downfall with it, though, is that the infrared sensor is fairly low res. I think it's only 120 by 80 or 160 by 120. Uh, pixels so it's very low res infrared as a whole is low res so you're not going to get that 4k imagery out of your infrared sensor like even the largest um, size FLIR or uh, L3 or something like that camera systems they aren't up to those resolutions either it's but down at that low end like the 160 by 120 or 120 by 80 whatever it is having a chance to use it uh, in certain situations and circumstances like for your example of fire and that kind of thing it i i could see it being useful but where it is useless in my opinion is in uh inspections where you need fine detail because of the low resolution of the sensor you don't get the fine fine details that you might be looking for a tiny tiny crack or something like that which you won't be you can't you can't get it unless you have a, a higher resolution sensor with higher sensitivity. So there are some great use cases for that Mavic Two Enterprise Dual. Um, but for myself, I wouldn't pick one up. I don't. I don't need one of those. I. I I'd. I'd prefer to go with the larger, larger system with the higher resolution camera on it if I was going to do that kind of work. And actually, in my drone mastermind group, we meet every Monday. And there's one of the gentlemen that joins there. His name's Daniel, and he's from Florida. And he has the M210 with the FLIR X-T2. And he says the same thing that he has had some companies approach them saying like, okay, we've picked up a Mavic 2 Enterprise Duel, and we've tried to do this work, and it doesn't work. So... Why is yours going to be better? And he brings his equipment out there and shows them and says, like, okay, this is the resolution difference, this is the sensor difference, and here is the output difference, and the client right away can see the difference with it. So he's invested a lot in that M two ten with that XT two. However, he's also had a lot of great success with it.
0: It's it's the same old, old cliche, isn't it? You know, you you pay for what you get.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Now you have this group on in your time it's a Monday. Evening,
1: yeah. Monday uh, evening, so Tuesday morning for you in Australia.
0: Yeah, it's uh, around eleven o'clock uh, in the morning for our time. Uh, it's a great group. I mean, I'll, I've sat in a, a few times over the last month, and uh, I've really enjoyed it.
1: What? How did that come about? I I decided to create that because I like I've been working with people like via email and social media, and then you know some some one to one meetings via Skype or whatever it is, and I had a ton of questions coming in, and I'd always answer them kind of in a individual environment. And then I thought, well, why not try and expand it out to more people and get more people together? So I'd been a part of other mastermind groups in the past that were dealing on a variety of topics, nothing about drones. And I, I searched around, and I couldn't find anything kind of like that. So. I put it out there to a few people uh, that I knew uh, in the drone industry, and just said, "Like, hey, why don't we get together once a week and just talk about what we're doing in our businesses, what's working, what's not? Use the group to bounce ideas off of, and do a even a Q and A session uh, with that." So a lot of people jumped on right away, and over the initial couple months, I proved the concept with it, and now it works out great. Like, I get I have people from all around the world that come in. And uh, join every Monday night for us here in North America and be, it, you know, Tuesday morning or even the middle of the night, like some of the, I know the time, it's not that uh, accommodating for those in Europe, but we do have some guests from Sweden that religiously show up uh, every time and that's about three in the morning or four in the morning for him when he comes. So it uh, it's, you know, the value is there. It's worked out amazing so far, like having the ability to speak amongst ourselves and, you know, really bounce ideas off each other. I, I've I've been working in this for a long time and I have a lot of experience and a lot of things that I can share, but having that group setting, I come out of every session learning something new as well too, and having a new idea and new inspiration for things that I can immediately pull the trigger on in my business and try and try and grow it. So it's worked. It's been excellent so far and I'm really looking forward to expanding expanding that group out to farther reaches.
0: Yeah, cause if anybody wants to join that group their best bet is to jump onto your website and send you an email, I think, isn't it?
1: Yeah, that's the best way right now. I'm going to be creating an actual landing page for that so people can see what it's about and then connect in that way. But for now, until that's there, yeah, just over to thedronetrainer.com and right through the contact form, just shoot me a message and then I will uh, get you linked into the next meeting.
0: Okay. So for anything else you've got on the horizon, as far as your drone business is concerned, the you want
1: to venture into that you haven't so far one thing that I've thought of lately and I've I follow a couple of people on Instagram that are doing this kind of thing and I'm they're doing it as a hobby and just to create art uh, like they're true artists when they're doing it but what they're doing is they're taking their drone photography and obviously you know you can capture unique angles and different things that you're not capturing when you're standing on the ground with your SLR And they are taking it a step further and seriously Photoshopping the doors off of their imagery to create unworldly images, be it um, adding, you know, the Milky Way or planets or whatever it is to the background to try and enhance what it is. So I have an idea going forward that I'm going to try and market. I do a lot of farm photos and estate photos and things like that of like large fancy houses or farms, whatever it is. And I've just had an idea lately where I'm going to try to uh, market those kind of, I guess, (laughs) outer-worldly photos of people's properties. And I think it's going to work because I know looking at some of the ones I've drummed up so far of just testing it on my house, I think like, yeah, if if I saw this and I wanted a shot of my house like this, I would pay for it. So I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a good hit. We'll see, we'll see how it goes. Like I can, I've come up with a lot of ideas that have failed too and but the ones that have worked have worked out excellent. So I'm hoping that this is on the uh, the good side of things as well, too.
0: So what's the situation over there as far as, say, drone operators, once they become a, a licensed commercial drone operator, with safety equipment? Is it easily to access and get the sort of safety equipment that a, an operator should have?
1: Uh, we don't have... Anything specific that you require, I think it comes down a lot to maybe the job site and what kind of PPE that you would require there. So be it steel toe boots, glasses, hat, gloves, vests, that kind of thing, reflective vest. Everything else, uh, it's it all helps. Like if you need to cordon off an area, if you use pylons or uh, thing tape if you need to, that kind of stuff. Like I find it is quite easy to access that stuff because we do have a lot of oil and gas work going on in our province. So we have a lot of stores that are dedicated to selling that kind of product to us.
0: Okay, but no one has sort of thought to do it from an industry point of view and target the UAV drone industry in general. uh, with. No, nothing yet.
1: No, nothing yet from what I've seen. So I must be a bit of a pioneer then. I think you are. What what kind of products do you you have that are specific to drone pilots that you know you've seen some great success with down there
0: okay well the basic range we've got uh for for most drone operators and to me you don't necessarily have to be a commercial operator to be using these sorts of products is obviously a high-vis vest that says you are a a a uav or a drone pilot and you know not to disturb printed on the back we've got signage that says that there is a uav drone operating Please stay clear 30 metres, which is part of the uh, regulations by our Civil Aviation Safety Authority for when you're operating a drone. Uh, We include barrier tape uh, so that you can actually signify the area that you're operating in. We've got a first aid kit to
1: keep with you, obviously, in case of any little minor mishap. That's a very good point. Now that you mentioned first aid kit, first aid kit and fire extinguisher are two of the mandatory items that we yes. have with us. So it's good to hear that you have that included on, on your side as well, too. So, yeah, keep, keep going. Let me know what else is there.
0: Uh, well, obviously, as far as the fire extinguisher is concerned, we don't actually supply fire extinguishers because of the, the problem in transporting them around the country. Uh, you can't just pop them in the post. Uh, like we can with the rest of our items, but we do recommend that. However, we do suggest to people that, and we do have available is a fire blanket because that can be just as useful as a fire extinguisher, particularly if you've got a situation like your drones landed or landed inappropriately and the it started to catch fire. At least by is it. landed
1: inappropriately a nice way to say it crashed.
0: Yes, it is. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You can throw your fire blanket over the drone, and that will help obviously to put the fire out. But you're not ingesting the um, fire retardant chemical into the actual drone or into the batteries. So that that's another item we have. We're looking at other things to add to the range, but that that's the basic range that we've got at present. And we've had some some good good follow up with that sort of product. Plus, we've also got a lanyard to use for. Holding on to your remote,
1: and it's got a you know quick release catch on it. Oh, very nice. Do you sell that all as a kit, or is everything an individual purchase? We, we we have a couple of kits put together
0: with you know made up of various combinations that are obviously slightly better priced than if you were to go through and buy all the items individually. But you can buy items individually. We've also got the facility if you want vests done with a safety crew or or spotter on the back of the vest, we can provide that for you as well. And we can also provide personalization on it if you wish, either just your, your first name or if you've got a company logo or anything like that, we can organize that as well.
1: Oh, very nice. We've had a great chat here now, and I think it's good if we let people know where we can find each other's podcasts and websites and stuff. So where can people find you online? Like, where's your, What's your website and what's your podcast so everybody can search it up?
0: Okay. The website is safedroningaustralia.com.au. And my podcast is called Drone Chat. Nice
1: Very simple. nice. <laughs> yeah, nice and simple for sure. Cool. So, and yours, Chris? Uh, so, it's the dronetrainer.com, the dronetrainer.com. And the podcast is just the Drone Trainer Podcast. So, if you, you can search that up in wherever you get your podcasts and uh, find it there and subscribe. So, Thanks for uh, thanks for the great idea to have kind of a joint podcast, Shane. I think it really worked out great. And I like what you're doing with yours so far. And it's cool to hear that I was the reason that you got into podcasting. So it's, uh, yeah, I you know, growing drone the drone industry and the chatter around it around the globe is great. And hearing that somebody like you is... Decided to start a podcast called Drone Chat down in Australia. I think that's great and wish you all the best of luck with your venture into Safe Droning Australia and all of your other commercial ventures on the side too.
0: Thanks, Chris. And I've appreciated you making the time to have a chat with us here on Drone Chat. And I got a feeling we might do this again sometime and catch up on perhaps changes that are are happening in our neck of the woods.
1: Yeah, that sounds good.
0: All right, Chris. Thanks again, mate. Take care. Bye
1: for now. Yeah, thanks to you too. Have a great evening.
0: Well, that's it for this episode. If you haven't listened to any of Chris's podcasts, head over to the Drone Trainer podcast and find one. And remember, for all your safety equipment, visit safedroningaustralia.com.au. Until next time, I'm Shane Adamson. Happy and safe flying, everyone.